Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So what is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to episode 63 of the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. Hi gang, we are here, we are back, we move onwards. We've been out traveling, we've been working on art, celebration, family, and life. It's been hard to keep you guys updated, but we are finally back for real. Since we did miss the show last week, we will release a new episode already next Wednesday in order to keep the ball rolling. And it's a good one, featuring Ryan Gander of Ryan Gander fame, so you can look forward to that next week. What'd you guys think about uh, Chart? What about Copenhagen Art Week? I was out of town, so I missed it, but uh, the Art Week was great last year. Don't forget that Copenhagen Alternative Art Festival is this coming weekend. It's definitely worth checking out. That's September 11th through the 13th at the Factory for Art and Design. You can find a link to that on undergang.net. It's definitely worth checking out. It's the antithesis to the uh, commercial art fairs here in town. So, uh, you know, if you want to be a well-rounded arts human and engaged, you got to go see that one. That is the yin to the yang. Today we have the indestructible Rose Eakin on the show. And she's here to tell us about her all-ceramic show, which is up at V1 Gallery right now. Did you just sigh when I said ceramics? No, 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 it's not at all what you imagine. This is different. This is excellent. And it's definitely worth seeing if you're here in town. It's a whole different kind of ceramic show. She's really using the material to tell a story in this case, but uh, she'll tell you all about that in just a few minutes. Rumor has it that a large Danish institution has snapped the whole show up, so it's time to see it now before it disappears into some institutional vault under a dark meadow somewhere. The show's up until September 19th. That would be 10 days from now. Get over there. If you haven't heard about Rose and her work, get on that because I've got a good feeling that she'll be popping up a lot more out there in, uh, in art world real soon. Yes, indeed. No further ado. Please enjoy my talk with Rose Eakin. I mean, I wonder if a place like V1, I don't know if you followed it from the beginning. Yeah, I kind of did, yeah. Like, they were probably very much social media-based, Facebook-based. Yeah, uh, I guess so. When did they start? 13 years ago. Yeah, they started in like 01 or yeah. 02 or something like that. But I'm just thinking that was probably really word of mouth, good party. Yeah. No, it know, was like very when... much word of mouth. I'm I'm not even <coughs> sure if Facebook existed then. It probably did. MyFace uh, or Friendster. Yeah, or... it was something like that. Yeah. But just the fact that, like, this was a, for lack of a better word, grassroots thing. Like, it was mm-hmm. just young dudes who were like, we're going to have a party. Yeah. And uh, we're going to show some art. And they've built it up into an extremely successful and quite well-known gallery. Yes, they have. Now, granted, 50 other ones tried and failed. So there's some <laughs> other magic going, thing. Yeah. 
But I guess I mean they they still have this approach that it has and that they want people to be able to walk in from the street in a sense that mm-hmm. you know they're not high brows or the gallery isn't big and nice and clean and white cube yeah ish it's still kind of rough. They are very um, open, which I do appreciate, and not necessarily very um, high assed as you say in Danish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're not very snooty, um, which I think is rare. I agree. In a way. Uh, now we're started. How did you how did you uh, hook up with them? Well, I kind of I mean I I sort of well I've met them loads of time. And in the end of the day, I had this idea for a show in their basement, and I I emailed Jesper and said, "Hey, I have this idea. I want to do. Let me kill Mr. Marshall Stack in clay. Mm-hmm. I think it should be in your basement. <laughs> do you think that's a good idea?" <laughs> And funnily enough, he did. Well, it goes back to being open, you know, because yeah. there's some places you can't write an email to the gallery yeah. director and say, hey. But, I mean, I, mean, I also met him at, with, through my boyfriend, Sean, who mm-hmm. was with the gallery. Right. So, I mean, he introduced me in a sense. Right. And somebody else probably wrote the day before and asked if they could do something. Yeah, yeah. And the answer was no. But I, get, I mean, Jesper also knew my work because he'd been sitting in, in the Arts Council and, you know, he helped me get a residency and... Berlin, for example, mm. and, you know, so in that way he'd, he'd seen my work for a long time, I guess. It's small, the, yeah. the, the art world. Yeah, here. it's very small, but the art world in general right. is very small, yeah. actually. Which is weird because you feel like such a massive wall you're up against, but once you break through, you're like, oh, you know them yeah. too, you know, yeah. like it's... Yeah, it's, it all sort of interlinks and yeah. fits together. Yeah, it's uh, to me. It's also funny, like something like David Risley that's moved to Denmark because I know him from London. I mean, <sighs> I met him in two thousand and one when I I was working for him in this show. You know, I was just a uh, long story, but he had created this show and I was working there, um, whatever. And that's the first time I met him, and you know, so suddenly, right, you suddenly know, he's your neighbor. Kind of, yeah, which is just interesting. Um. Yeah, I guess it is a lot smaller than people give it credit for. Do you, where did it start for you? Did you, did you, I mean, because I know you didn't go to the art academy here. No, I went to the art academy in Scotland and in London. Which takes you out, like, there's a whole other thing about, like, the Danish art scene going, like, whoop, straight through one school funneled into the art world. It's taken me about 10 years to get into the Danish art scene. And do you think that's because you weren't educated here? Yeah. Definitely. Straight up, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> Particularly when, at the time when I finished in 2003, the the academy was just on a much higher pedestal than it is now. Everything was much more inward looking than yeah. it is now. It yeah. has changed a lot for the better. Mm. Uh, it's been, become an international scene. Yeah. And something like chart really helps that as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's widened a lot. Um, but... But then it was really hard to come from the outside. You didn't have a network here. I had a network of other artists that had studied abroad, <laughs> you know, and Just and angry, then, angry people. Yeah. Well, we had fun. We did a lot of. Uh, I mean, I started an artist-run space with my sister in two thousand and four. Oh. Uh, Islandsbrug. What was it called? A cabine. 
That's probably before I moved here then. Yeah, it was there for like four years or something. I mean, she was really running it. I sort of helped her start it, and then I was sort of back and forth from London and here. Mm. Um, did created a few shows with uh, with British artists as well. Um, one of them, my friend Tom Humphreys, who's now with Christian Andersen, funny enough. Yeah, his first show was there in Denmark. Was it possible to get state support at that time for running shows with non-Danish artists? No, I think you could get, you could maybe get, uh, I mean, the space itself didn't get support, uh, but you could get support, the artists itself could get support for funding and stuff. Okay. Uh, like support for production of, um, of you know, the show. Because I feel like they're pretty good now about supporting artist-driven spaces. Yeah. There's an explosion of yeah. them now. Yeah. It comes in waves. There was then, and then they kind of disappeared, and now they're sort of coming back again, which is it's cool. It 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 sort of brings a lot of uh, yeah edge to mm. the scene as well. Having all these sort of weird little things happening around. I feel like there's more artists now too. Maybe there is. I don't know if that's true or not, but I was I'm not that. sure either. Um, actually, I, but it's always been fashionable to claim yourself an artist, no? Yeah. Um, but it's also easier to make art now. You know, like there's way more photographers. I know that yeah. because it's so much more yeah. accessible technology-wise. Yeah. So much more filmmakers. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. You just yeah. buy yourself a Canon, yeah. and there you go. <laughs> um. But where, like, why did you go to school in Scotland? Um, I basically I left school when I was to take the long story. I left school when I was sixteen um, after my first year in hires, and then I started working at a theatre for a year as a stage technician. Mm. And uh, then they invented the Den Fri Ungdomsuddannelse. This doesn't translate. Um, I've heard about that. It's basically a school for kids who are in danger of <laughs> dropping out of the rest of the school no, system. No, it's, it's basically, it was a system that when you hadn't uh, got finished gymnasium, if you didn't have any A-levels, right. you could plan your own education for three years and get a grant, maintenance oh, grant. Um, and maybe also get some funding towards some uh, teaching. So I took a lot of different drawing courses. I was I spent like fourteen months in the glyptotech drawing, okay. there, like in total. I was That's there three time. three times. Um, and then you know, with that, you could get some funding to go abroad. So my sort of my you had to have a goal, and my goal was then to apply to an academy in the UK. Get the fuck out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I guess that was sort of an incentive because I knew I could get this maintenance grant with me. Mm. Uh, so I did, and I got in to uh, the academy in Scotland, mm. and then I was there for four years. And then, you know, my plan then was really to go to Hamburg, and then I ended up in London, and that sort of, yeah, then I stayed there. Where did you go in London? Royal College of Art. It's a good school, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, it's, it was good and bad. Our school uh, is good yeah. and bad. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, did you, I mean, in the end, did you, are you glad you did it? Yeah. One thing I'm very, yeah, I am. Uh, one thing there is with the British education is, is it's a university education. So you're forced to write dissertations and, you know, study right. theory. Right, right. It's not um, just... Uh... 
And that was really tough when you left school as early as I did mm. and you had to do it all in English. I fucking, I didn't know how to write an essay back then, um, but I, I learned. you got it. I bet you got it now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's one of those things that also comes with age because when I was 16 or 17, I couldn't write an essay for shit, but most because I didn't even, I don't know, it's like my brain wasn't ready even to formulate ideas on that level. And then at a certain point you realize what the power of the written word yeah. can do and how you can sway and move and, you know, or even like write with eloquence. Uh, Particularly in English, it's really fun, I think. It's chewy, right? Yeah. There's so many words and yeah. so many ways to yeah. do it. Yeah, you could be so precise. Yeah. Um, That's one of the yeah. things that really frustrates me about Danish. Is I'll be like, how do you say this? This four-letter four, sent, four sentence. And they're like, well, now it's a 15-letter sentence. You know, you have yeah, there's to a lot of filling. Yeah. everything. Yeah, there's a lot of full words in Danish. And very few metaphors. Yeah. yeah. You don't really yeah. allude to things yeah. very much. You just say it directly. Yeah, that's true. Um, and in fact, I don't, as you found out, I don't write in Danish because I'm just so bad at it. I just write English in Danish when I write. That's what I do. And people are like, what? I think I know what you're saying. <laughs> well, I can <laughs> understand that. Actually, I mean, many ways now I'm better at writing in English than I am in Danish. Right. And I'm maybe also better at speaking about my work it's in English um, than I am in Danish. At least in the beginning, I had really had to sort of translate from English to Danish, I mm. still get that. And, you know, I stand there and I go, blah, 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 what is the word, you know? And then I say it in English and, you know, it's like, oh, it's so nice to live abroad. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny, just... too, because, like, there's that whole, like, language you learn in art school, this, like, way of talking about art, yeah. which is which is learned. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's actually one of the biggest advantages. Uh, you know, I went to art school and, and, and it, to me... It's the pretend world for being an artist. You, know, yeah. you just learn how to talk about art, how to look at art, how to disagree about art, how mm -hmm. to critique art. You know, there's that whole like play world of of art, and you're without commercial pressures at that time. Yeah, and you just learn how to talk the talk and walk the walk, really. Uh, so whatever language you learn it in, yeah. No, I mean, I thought about doing this podcast in Danish, too, and I was just like, that would be no. terrible. <laughs> Who wants to listen to me try to do that? Um, but sorry, yeah, go on. You went to London, and uh, and it was okay? Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of... Uh, I I, uh, I studied sculpture in Edinburgh, and I studied... I got into the sculpture department in, in uh, Royal College of Art, and I changed department halfway through, which... You don't really do mm. most people, or it's not normal. It's, not it's very un-British. It's very un-British. <laughs> it's very uncommon to do. It's very typical me. Um, and I ended up in the painting department mostly because, well, it's something about uh, the sculpture department being away from the main site, and I was working a lot with video at the time, mm. and the whole painting department was much more involved in that and the people who were there in that particular year, anyway. Um, so I just fitted. They are better. I never did a painting. I've got a master in painting, which is <laughs> very modern funny. arts education, right? Uh, there. Yeah, but um, it just also left me in a bit of kind of being part of neither department. Mm. Um, but it also, yeah, it gave me a really good network. Uh, there was a lot of good people there. Yeah, for sure. Did you stick around afterwards? Yeah, um, I mean, I traveled back and forth. I did a lot of things here as well at the same time. Um, so you tried to you you didn't just abandon 
Denmark? No, I, like? I kept on really actually from the beginning, from I was at college, tried to keep on doing things here, yeah. making shows and stuff. But, you know, then we're back to uh, <laughs> knock, knock, knock. And, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it took a long time. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know. I, I feel like, the, like you say, the system's changing for the better here in a lot of ways. But when I first arrived, my idea, the whole reason I moved to Denmark was because I figured I would get a free education. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't realize is that there is only one path. You know, even if you go to the art academy in uh, Jutland or yeah. on Fyrn, even then you're considered an outsider. You know, how mm -hmm. fucked up is that? You're an hour and a half yeah, train, train ride away yeah. and you're an outsider, outsider. Yeah. you know, it's and, stupid. And, and that to me really blew my mind because mm -hmm. it's not like that. In the States. But that is where Denmark is a very small country. Very small. Um, yeah. It, just that way of thinking and that that division in people's minds is is quite a... I don't know what the word is. Provincial. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can okay, see you wanted you, to say it. <laughs> you said it. I'll say it. Yeah. Uh, and, but it is definitely changing. I've been here for eight years yeah. and I can clearly see the difference. Yeah. And it's starting actually probably to be kind of an advantage not to be from that system. Not yeah. that it's a disadvantage maybe, to be maybe, from it. But I feel know. like it's starting to be like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. You chose to do something else. Um, but when you, were you, when you were done, were you, did you plan on staying in London? Or were you always thinking, I'm going to go back to Copenhagen? I was never planning to stay in London forever. Mm. Um, but I was not necessarily planning to go back to Copenhagen either. I understand. Um, and I guess I still feel like that. Mm. Um, and then I, I mean, I ended up moving completely from London in 2009. And then I, yeah, pretty I, recent. I stayed here for a year and then I moved to Berlin. And I stayed there for a year. And then I moved to New York and stayed there for six months. And then I came back three years ago. Mm. And decided to actually... Yeah, try and stick, stick around. Out, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's fun to be transitory, but at a certain time, at a certain point, it also distracts from, yeah. from work. Yeah, it makes exactly. it hard to establish something. Yeah. But uh, Berlin... Yay, nay. I really loved living in Berlin, actually. Um, and I wasn't ready to move when I did. It was because I got a residency in New York. I was like, okay. So I went there, and then I fell in love with New York. <laughs> and then it was a bit okay. It don't miss. Um, New York's nice, but it crushes your soul, too. Yeah, but so does London. London yeah. is fucked. I mean, London is the toughest place I lived, really. Harder it's, than New York? Oh, yeah. Wow. Way harder than New York. I haven't been there since I was a kid, but I do know it's the same London kind of thing. London is stressful. I mean, right. people literally walk faster in a in a. There is this kind of, yeah, just stressy kind Tension. of uptightness. Yeah. Um, where New York is, it surprised me a lot. Actually, I thought they were they were much more the same. Hmm. Um, in before I moved there, I, I, New York is pretty chilled. You know, you have yeah, East Village, right. you have. You know, I mean, don't underestimate the laziness of no, Americans. Yeah, no, I know, but but it is. It just a <laughs> lot of things happen all the time, and yes, it is super fast. But it's still in a kind of way where you can actually potentially breathe. There's at a lot the same of laying time. around in Central yeah. Park and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think 
I think the problem with both those places is the kind of grind to uh, have an affordable place to live. Yeah. You Which know. is just <laughs> it's a shit insane. show. <laughs> That's one of the really nice things about being here. Yeah, you can actually get a place to stay. Yeah, because we talk about moving a fair amount, but it's kind of like where, where are we going to go? That's interesting, and we're not immediately going to get downgraded mm. yeah. in terms of our living situation too much. Yeah, Berlin is good in that way, yeah. or at least it has been. Um, I think that's on the way yeah, out, though. I it's think changing. so too. Sadly enough, yeah. but. Um, when I moved there, it was really a nice change to have, like, you know, a big capital city, lots of things going on, and then still super laid back, maybe almost too laid back. Um, it's very European in that sense. Uh, like, yeah. It's okay, we'll do it tomorrow, you know. And still it has this, then, just this crazy history that is everywhere mm. in 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 kind of everything you do there and how people interact, which is really interesting. Hmm. So what kind of work were you making when you lived in Berlin and New York? Were you doing painting uh, or were you... No, I was doing... Mostly I was doing embroidery. And I was also doing ceramics in Berlin um, quite a lot, okay. actually. What happened and to those? Are they there? Did you bring no, them No, no, I bring them... I brought them wow. back. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I brought them back. Most of it, at least. It just tends yeah. not to be a very movable... Uh, you know, yeah. it's heavy, it's fragile... No, I did some beer crates that I still have. <laughs> I mean, do you find that now you've been in the same place for three years that it becomes more manageable, your art practice? You know, having a studio, having a consistent... Uh... Yeah, maybe I'm not too good at being that consistent. I don't have a studio. That's the problem. I should get one. I keep saying that. <laughs> I have traveled a lot as well within the last couple of years. Well, you can say um, there's a freedom in not having a studio. In yeah, that you, exactly. Uh, you, know, um, you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. So I mean, that's so it's a choice um, being able to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do feel now I I, I do need to kind of f- center it, fix it somewhere, and at least then move from there. Um, yeah, but I have mean, a have a sort of more fixed space. But I also have I haven't been traveling very much this year, so I'm a bit like, where to go now? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, Denmark shines in that level because you can do, like you said earlier, you can rent or you can get spaces yeah. to work in in temporary periods from the state. Yeah, and uh, that can be an advantage. But that then is you have a that huge anchor of that stuff. is like a big privilege. Uh, yeah, I mean, the support system here is pretty... Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest, yeah. it's fucking insane. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm pretty blown away by yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, I'm very grateful for all the help that I have gotten Yeah. that way. Um, but let's talk about the show. Yep. It's, uh, it's up now. Mm-hmm. It's all in clay. It's out of my head. It's out of your head. It's out of your hands. It's all in clay. <laughs> Let's describe it. I mean, so basically, you what? I'll, I'll give you my shot first. Go. For you it. Uh, you've done a lot of research with different artists and artist studios. Yeah. You visited them, I assume. Some of them, but a lot of them I've just emailed. Okay. Uh, and gotten your hands on in one way or another objects. Did you always get the physical objects, or no. did you also just get pictures? I of just objects? got pictures of it. Everything off mm-hmm. of pictures. Okay, pictures of objects. 
which you've then recreated in clay mm-hmm. and filled this space, with, the, the gallery, with with objects from artist studios or yeah. copies of objects from artist studios. Yeah. It's a kind of Mesa studio, you could say, like this fictional studio space. Right. It sort of hovers in between being, yeah, a real space, a studio, but also just a kind of display of a studio. Right. Well, yeah, it's not a place you could work, really. No. There's too much stuff. Yeah. But it becomes not about art. It becomes about artists. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess my the core of my idea was this notion of the artist studio as this amazing, you know, uh, behind the scene. The or it's, it's Yeah, the magic. And it's we have this very romanticized notion about the space. Mm. Um, it's even maybe more kind of... Uh, remote than than the backstage room uh, at a rock concert or something mm. you know it's like ooh right. um and i and that fascinates me because really it's just a workspace you know it's not necessarily that interesting but but it is for non artists obviously um well it's supposed to reflect the practice and the person yeah. too in that way and and maybe it does but maybe it doesn't uh, the interesting thing about this sort of research is that really we all pretty much have the same kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if we're from the States or if we're working here or if we were, you know, it's the, all well, everybody has some rulers, everybody has some pens, everybody has a Macintosh, everybody has a, uh, some paint, some brushes, some, you know, and then of course, yeah, some uses this type of palette or some use this uh, little thing or has this funny weird figure that inspires them and so yes there is kind of things that suddenly becomes very specific to mm. to that particular artist yeah um and you adapt things to yourself and your work methods of course you do mm. but still there is yeah i wanted to create this studio that had all these branches or threads out to to contemporary artists all over the world but really it's is is standing there as as a, a space in mm. itself. Um, and why clay? What is it about that material? I think I love clay because it's such a clumsy and stupid material, and it somehow always reminds you of something you did in kindergarten. It's kind of or, out of fashion, right? Like, I yeah, mean. it's out of fashion, or maybe it's getting into fashion, I don't know. But it's a bit like a Christmas decoration or something. It always has this, and everybody has used it as well, or tried it in school. So right. there's... Yeah, somehow people can relate to it. Um, mm. And it's a very tactile and it's a very dense material. Um, and yet it can be really fine and thin and poetic and fragile. Mm. And, and these sort of dualities I like to play with. I noticed one thing, which was that uh, at your opening, kids were going bananas. You almost <laughs> never see children at an art opening being no. like, look at that, look at that. You yeah. know, they were just loving it. And that kind of struck me as like, that's the strength of that sort of material. Is yeah. It is so down to earth. And so... It's a huge compliment when kids like your work. Totally, totally. <laughs> because you don't have to pretend to like it then, right? Because no. kids don't pretend to like no. anything. No. They just like it or they don't. Yeah. And so to me, that does bring it into a different realm. And I guess you're right, it's interesting because it, it seems like your whole exhibition, you want to pick stuff up and touch it, you know, but clay is super fragile. 
you can't, yeah. you know. So it has okay. that weird like. I mean, I, I caught people you, doing that, you know, and it was like you shouldn't really be doing that. I caught this person, picked up these bunch of keys, um, and and I said, really, you shouldn't do that. And you know, she was like, put it down. It's like, oh no, I just turned five years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, totally. I, I had to touch it. Totally. Um, and then you know, I can understand that, but it's just. You know, they really shouldn't touch it because right, you will break breaks. it so fast. Um, yeah, no. In fact, the parents had to constantly hold their kids yeah. back, like, do not jump into the middle of that and start touching everything. Um, but I mean, I think uh, I think it's a great thing too because let's say you had made a painting of all these objects, it would be a mess of a painting, probably. You know, it'd mm-hmm. be hard to pull it off. But when it's spread out in that way and becomes very tactile. Even though you can't yeah. touch it, it is tactile. It uh, it's somehow kind of dimensionalizes, if you can say that. It somehow brings it back to the to to what it's supposed to refer to. You know, it's yeah. not a copy anymore. But it isn't a copy either because I I mean, basically I model uh, the things in real scale, and right. then this clay I use dries uh, when it dries, it kind of shrinks about. 15%, which is quite a lot. Mm. So everything is just too small. Uh, so you made it wet yeah. at the right size. It's just kind of off yeah. uh, and, you know, and all wonky. And, and I guess what also fascinates me about uh, clay or modeling is, is that, you know, it's this balance between perfection and imperfection or being very precise about doing all the labels and stuff, but still leaving them to kind of whatever happens in the kiln. Uh, you know, I can't control. So right, it's, the it's run a yeah, bit it runs or it's you know it smudges or it, the color isn't the color I thought it would be or so all these things happen and it's wonky and, and but still somehow you want this bottle to be you imagine it straight you imagine it the right size it, it becomes the real thing in 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 your head right. and that we're able to compensate for all these glitches and mistakes and and just sort of look at all these objects and take them in as they were the real thing, I find that's a really interesting thing we do. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it would have been a mistake probably to make casts or yeah, molds and yeah. make exact copies of this I, stuff. For me, at least, it would be very dead that way. Mm. Uh, I think in this way, it becomes alive and it becomes much more about the essence of the object than actually being the object, if that right. makes sense. It, it allows for you to to associate and put your own kind of notion of, you know, this cup or that paintbrush or into, you know, project that onto the thing. Um, And so you can kind of finish the story yourself as the spectator. Well, what do you think about the artist's hand in the work? Because, Because you've put all these objects on other artists, you've removed yourself a little bit Mm -hmm. out of it. That's the other thing I kept thinking, like, you know, I was at the show and people were like, that's Kvium's bird. That's West Lang's so-and-so, you know. And There's it, also it, quite a few of my own stuff in there. But, uh, yeah, but it's hidden in a way, yeah. you know. Like, you just constantly, you start thinking, like, whose is this, whose is that? And, and, and that kind of removes you in a weird way, even though you sat there and handmade all mm-hmm. of this. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's entirely you, really. Yeah, that uh, is true. That is very also i i I, with a lot of the artists i got you know uh, pictures where there was a lot of objects and you know so i've been sitting okay i want to do that one i want to do that one um and you know picked out stuff that i thought would be interesting to re-render um 
So in many ways, yes, it is all me. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. But are you hiding behind it in a way? Are you not interested in, in, in standing out and saying, I made this? That's fine, but, but I don't think it's, a, it's not the point necessarily. Yeah. It's not about my story. It's trying to make a much more universal story or narration or something. Right. Um, Is it more about art or more about artists? I think it's about both, potentially. Yeah. Because I read the it's artists. It's about the I art world as well. And it, exactly this idea of, yeah, exactly this glorification of, of the studio space. and, and mm. um, Well, you've been interested in spaces too, because yeah. you did the one about backstage. I mean, that is the core of my practice is really the notion of space. You could sort of give that headline to yeah. everything I do. Uh, and you know how we perceive the spaces we are in and the objects that we surround us with and how they they tell stories about us and or about people we we uh, we associate with um i find that really fascinating is that a decision you made or is that something that just kind of again and again popped up i think it's just something that kind of again and again popped up and it has really been like that ever since i was a kid Mm. It was the same way I would play. Uh, you know, I never had a doll's house. I, I, my whole room was this installation of things. Um, and I think, I guess that's that was one thing I realized when I was in art school. Ah, okay, you know, this is actually just something that this is what I'm interested in. Mm. Um, and that also transfers to other media. I guess it should be said at some point, you don't just work in ceramics. You have no. photography, you've got video, you've got painting, you've got embroidery. You know, yeah. It doesn't seem like materials, you're particularly constrained by that. No. But like, what about the paintings on glass, for example? How do those refer to space? How do they refer to space? Well, again, what I've painted on the glass it refers to the space. It's very much objects that represent you know, they're, they're again sort of you know they're cables or they're um yeah i have to i have a thing with cables um that's true you do actually <laughs> um or like byproducts like, almost that, that's like comes with being a technician <laughs> backstage <laughs> cable yeah. rolling where the hell is that xlr cable yeah. um yeah yeah and, you know and it seems like in the beginning or <laughs> I shouldn't say the beginning at all. When I jumped into the process, you were talking a lot about music, mm-hmm. musicians, backstage. You made that uh, the piece you mentioned earlier, B1 in the Basement, which yeah. was a recreation of a backstage, a specific backstage? No, or just that was more a kind of general backstage. Cigarette butts yeah. everywhere, Jack Daniels bottles. Uh, you made a whole speaker like a Marshall I made, that stack. That was Let Me Kill Mr. Marshall stack. <laughs> In clay. It's probably a heavier than the real one, actually. I imagine. Do you ever send him a picture of that? I tried. I think I should try again. <laughs> um, I mean, do you see any difference between the musicians and the artists, really, when it comes down to it? Not necessarily, no. It's it very a, similar. And also, a... exactly, I mean, I guess what also interests me about musicians is that, um, yeah, this notion of fan culture, which is a funny thing, you know. 
I've never quite understood it. I remember walking into my girlfriend's room in fourth grade and she had like aha posters. You remember that lovely movie in band? (laughs) She had aha posters everywhere and I was thinking, wow, yeah, well, they're kind of cool band, but why put them on your wall? (laughs) Um, And I guess I've always felt like that. So... And then I, I I grew up with music. I know a lot of musicians, and I work behind this, the stage. And um, mm. so it's all about yeah this notion of being on the stage, being the musician, trying to you know make it, or what happens during a gig, and the mistakes and glitches, or will it be a huge success? Or um, yeah, this fragility um, interests me, and the the whole dialogue between the musician and the audience, and uh, that interests me. Mm. But it, it, in in the end of the day, I guess it. I mean, it comes from uh, working uh, with musicians backstage, both in the theater and and also as a light technician, um, and uh, you know, walking around, putting up lights and lamps. Um, before a gig, it's just a big black empty space. But there's all these things lying there that uh, that kind of yeah, it tells this story. All these props that are left that somehow ex- tell the story of what has happened or what is supposed to just about to happen. And and that suspense um, very much feeds everything I do. And yes, then I've focused on musicians for a long time mm. and that world but yeah the art world has just as many gadgets as the music world has really sure and like and cliches right and, and weird um, detritus and of stuff and stuff well the um, word fragility stuck out when you were talking about how it's fragile that whole thing you know let's say rock music's supposed to be tough and in mm-hmm. reality artists are supposed to be tough too mm-hmm. and you know but that interest in the fragility of it all yeah, and not knowing if it's going to work. I guess that then again comes back to the, the clay as material. Right. Or it's sort of mirrored in that. It breaks. Right. And even, I guess, you could connect it to the fact that you paint on glass. Yeah. That breaks too. Yeah. The thing about the, the tinsel painting is really, it, it. I started doing them. I saw a show at the american art museum in new york a couple of years ago with um it was a tradition used between like 1850 and 1900 what's called 900 1900 yeah um uh purely by women to kind of create light in their space you know because they could put a candlelight on it and then it would reflect and create Uh, more uh, yeah yeah. um and that just fascinated me this sort of notion um Mm. also because i was working a lot with embroidery and and so it just kind of tied into that in many ways uh, of sort of female tradition in many ways that is i guess ceramic has the same kind of notion of uh females ceramicist yeah Yeah. um and it's not, you know, I, I'm just aware of it. Um, this whole sort of, I'm a very female artist, or it doesn't really interest me. Um, yeah. Does it get put on you? Do people start to not say? Not very often, no. Yeah. I wouldn't um, necessarily read that. I see what you're saying, though, that that sort of discussion. Uh, 
could be made. But that would be, I mean, unless you had something to say about that, then that would be putting that into yeah. your work. I mean, you could say that there is that dialogue with the embroidery, particularly maybe, um, like I've been embroidering, I had different projects, but I've been embroidering Ben's sit list for a long time. And then I've been embroidering LPs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have another ongoing project where I embroider used drum heads, um, which is sort of probably the one that I'm going to continue now. Um, And... And between this sort of beat of the drum and, you know, which is very aggressive, very male kind of thing, compared to sitting very quiet with needle and thread, there is a dialogue. Um, sure. So, yeah, you know, you could talk about that, but but then again, you know, I, I, I always find it very problematic having this I'm a female artist card. Well, it, um, it, it, it closes another... Yeah, you know, it opens one door and closes another, and you know, I think maybe it's better to leave that tension just there, Mm. not. But I guess that is what I try to do. I just I'm aware of it. But as we talk, it does occur to me that you are very much hand. I'm very hand based. Everything I do goes through my hands. Yeah, yeah. Very material based, hand based. Which I guess the argument could be made are feminine. it kind of struck me too, though, because ceramics kind of has a history of like, I think the most famous ceramicists make very detailed, fine works like Robert Arneson, you mm-hmm. know, which were crazy and beautiful, but very, very overwrought and almost kind of, I don't want to say Baroque, but you know, like really kind of heavy and intense. Whereas yours are, are much lighter in the touch in that sense. Um, did you ever look at old ceramic art to yeah. kind of kind of reference or look? Yeah, into? but maybe more than sort of Asian. Mm. There's this on in Louisiana. There's this kind of corridor. The museum. Do you remember? Yeah, do you remember that? Um, on top of the stairs that go downstairs, you know, next to the cafe, uh-huh. sort of this corridor you go through, and there's all these ceramics from like Greece and oh. like probably even older Roman it's one of my favorite kind of it's just really a huge vitrine Mm. and there's some amazing uh, sculptures in there they're really kind of maybe pots or whatever but they're so sculptural and what attracts you to them there's these three kind of vases that looks like little men Mm. I mean they're very human uh, and very funny Mm. um and kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, I think humor in ceramics is very good. Yeah, you know, me this, too. Because it, uh, that's what I mean. It's a dumb material. <laughs> it really is. And I like just leaving that. Yeah. I think the history of ceramics is fun. I mean, when you say dumb, like all this stuff pops into my head <laughs> of like being in ceramics class in high school and everyone being like, okay, how are we going to make a bong without yeah. the teacher knowing? <laughs> the teacher would be like, this, oh, this is a bong, smash. This yeah. is a bong, smash. And we'd always be trying to like hide bongs and other things, you know, which is just, you know, that's half the fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's inherent in ceramics, but I guess it is dumb. But it's also historical. It's one yeah, of the oldest the art things, forms yeah, there is. Which is quite amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
do you want to keep working in that? Or are you now going to put it aside for a little bit? No, now you've I will done two keep. Shows. I will definitely keep on working with it, but I will also work with something else. Mm. Um, yeah, I, but I, I, I think I feel like that with everything I do. I, I can't really choose between them. Mm. I mean, right now I'm gonna do. A, I'm starting working on a big commission for a school in Aarhus, and I'm doing these bronze cast. And that's the first time I've done that, which is quite fun. Yeah. Uh, suddenly being able to have a budget so you can actually try actually something, something like yeah. that. <laughs> Are you going to make ceramic casts and then get yeah. them made in bronze? Yeah. yeah. Actually, they have been cast by now, but uh, mm. they're finishing them off. I'm making six bronze sculptures, which I will then paint. So they will, they will look like my ceramics mm. in many ways. Hmm. Is that the kind of thing that'll last, the paint on it? It'll probably wear. Yeah. But it should, should last quite a long time. But they'll probably, you know, tag into it and shit like that. Oh, kids. But, oh, <laughs> but hey, that's a, that's a part of it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I've always wanted to do things in bronze, but bronze is just such a laden material. Yeah, speaking of a male. You know, male yeah, I had, a, I had a, a professor who was like... Bronze carver, you know, it's like casting, right. yeah, stone carving and bronze. <laughs> right, bearded uh, men yeah. living in the oh, moors yeah. of... Uh, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah right. it's weird, that whole thing. Um, I was talking to an artist yesterday about how much dick shaking there is in the art world. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. like it does kind of refer in the materials to yeah. it. And like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, we'll check yeah. this out. You know? But yeah, my point is then, you know, just painting it all over is a quite way good way of just saying, okay, right. fuck, look, fuck that in... tradition. Look, it's yeah. great, but this I don't could be care. Anything. Yeah, it looks like something else. <laughs> That's nice. And, uh, you know, he had an interesting point too. <laughs> this is great. He was saying, like, for example, when he buys music, let's say he buys 500 records. Maybe 70 of them are by women and uh, 430 are by men. But 68 of those 70 by women are really good. (laughs) And about 60 out of those 400 by men are also good. And, like, the whole point was that, like, men are just spewing shit out constantly. Whereas women are a little bit more careful about, like, okay, if I'm going to do this, let's not do some bullshit, you know? Yeah, that's a fun generalization. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you're right. It just got me thinking about it because there is all those arguments about you know who decides in the art world and you know yeah, art is very male in a way. quotations and shit. If the art world is very male. That is true. And yes, there well, is the there is a is problem male, there. Right? The world is very male. And it's just um, a rabbit hole. As soon as you go down that, you're like, yeah. fuck. How do I? Get, where do I go now? You know. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult discussion. Yeah, I'm having a hard time too because I would really like to have more. Um, minorities on this podcast but there aren't any minorities in the art world in denmark no no No. is there a single like black artist in in denmark oh that's a very good question dear listeners find me a black artist (laughs) interview you know it's scary isn't it i mean that just has to do with the demographics of denmark too it's not new york but but still it does this a lot you know, but I do appreciate the spirit of debate here. Yeah. Maybe goes nowhere. Maybe there's a lot of finger pointing, but there is kind of a healthy regard to debate here that they don't necessarily. It doesn't necessarily devolve into yelling and finger pointing no. as fast as it does in the U.S., for yeah. example. 
But I guess that comes with our whole political system. Mm. You know. It is about as democratic as it gets. Yeah. In that sense. But um when you make this work, I keep coming back to the fact that you're kind of hidden in the work. <laughs> that you don't have this like but There's very little dick shaking in your heart, to put it, to put yeah, it roughly. There probably is uh, very little of that. Do you think that you'll ever eventually you know, want to stand forward more in what you do and talk less about other artists and I less have about... done works where I've used myself, of, which was much more performative. Mm. And I don't know if I ever really felt that comfortable with it or I, I could never really judge it myself. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's maybe just not my nature. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not advocating for it. I just find it interesting because there's been so much talk lately about the artist as, you know, and also because your work is about the artist as mm. myth. Did you ever try to be a musician? Did you ever think about that? Yes, I did. Uh, because I grew up with it. I've been singing since I was very little, but yeah. maybe exactly for that reason. I shouldn't. Uh, I mean, my mother teaches opera singers. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So there's always been somebody screaming in our living room. Um, yeah. And this whole, this whole thing has been very close. Um, yeah, the whole music world, particularly the classic music world, obviously. Mm. Um, and, you know, she's always been very open for us to, me and my sisters, to go into and if we wanted to sing and whatever. But but still, I think we've also known that, I mean, she was the best teacher around, so... Uh, she is the best teacher around. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also good to do something creative that's not exactly yeah. what your parents do, yeah. I think. Yeah, and and there has always been a lot of fine art in our home as well. Mm. Um, so it was quite natural in that way. Did there's you grow up here in Copenhagen? Yeah. Did you grow, I mean, you said there's a lot of fine art in your home, but did you grow up around artists? Yeah. And was that... Yeah. My, have you ever heard of uh, Brøndum's Forlæg? In Netsenskill. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, where Tal is now. Where Ronda, yeah, it's it? it's uh, Schaefer is in his old space. Right. But there's also a, um, he was a bit further down. He still has that space. Um, but he in back in the eighties he was this really is a publisher, right? Yeah, a he was. It was he was a printer. He was a bit like Schaefer in a way, but much more on. Uh, books, mm-hmm. literature, and uh, poetry, and then combining that with uh, with graphics and artists, and you know he did uh, a sort of legendary publication of Henry Miller, which was illustrated by Birgemose, I think, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, um, and it was, he was quite uh, quite renowned, um, has done some really cool stuff. And my mother married him when I was five or six, maybe. So they were together for like four or five years. So that whole scene of the sort of 80s art world suddenly entered our home. So I guess there never was... It never was a strange thing to be an artist. No. Because some artists you meet, they're like... It's not until they were adults that they realized you could do that. But I guess in some ways, I, I remember sort of thinking when I was six things... Ah, I could become a fine artist as well. It's not you don't have to be seventy and 
you know. Wow. <laughs> you that's could actually, I could actually try and do this. And that sounded good uh, to you as a six-year-old? Yeah. To, yeah. But then I just, I guess I just went for it. Mm. It just felt that that was really what I should do. Hmm. I had some good mentors. Sven V. Hansen, amongst one of them. He helped me do my portfolio um, for college, which was really just a month or two before he died. Do you remember how important it was, those portfolios, back mm-hmm. in the day? Before mm-hmm. you sent in stuff digitally, yep. you had to get the slides yep. made, oh, and you had to type up it. <laughs> I have stacks and stacks of slides oh, yeah. from back in the day me that I too. can't throw away because I spent so much goddamn yeah. time making them. They're just useless. I used to, I mean, I made piece slideshow pieces. Mm. Um, slides are super cool. Yeah. I still think it's a brilliant media. But mm. um, but yeah, I remember every time you had to do, write an application, then you had to fucking get all these slides <laughs> done. And it was just ridiculous. And it weighed a ton and it was impractical and they broke. And Yep. You'd send them off in that uh, huge manila envelope yep. at the post office and be like, now yeah. what? Now I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You could go home to your floppy disk and, <laughs> and try and put something onto that. That was oh, back God. when photographers could make money. Yeah. Um, but it, it's funny how that has changed the way that artists have to... I guess maybe that's like I was saying earlier, that there's more artists now because there isn't as many barriers. Yeah. In that sense. That's you know, If you couldn't true. figure out how to make slides, you were kind of fucked. <laughs> you were just you know? fucked. <laughs> shit yeah but maybe that was the reason why i started working with photography as well i will never be a photographer at all i'm everybody's a photographer yeah but it kind of bores me but i i spent a long time making pieces that were actually photographic pieces Hmm. or films um were you more interested in the material or like the result basically i was making these tiny miniature models and it was a way of changing their scale Mm, yeah. By taking a photo and blowing it up. Are uh, those those ones on your website from like 2001 and 2003, yeah. uh, little school yeah. Uh, yeah. classrooms yeah. and stuff? That was uh, my actually my degree show mm. project. Um, those are creepy I as hell. In, yeah, it was, I did all these spaces from memory that where I grew up, basically. Yeah. So okay. it's my old school and it's my uh, my yeah my childhood bedroom and <laughs> my grandmother's Stony. flat and stuff. That's nice. Uh, yeah. So again, spaces. Yeah, it's been going on for this whole yeah. time. Yeah. What's uh, what's next now? Now you've kind of had three shows in quick succession. Yeah, maybe just a holiday would be nice. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. I could use one. No, I'm doing this commission. I have to finish it by next spring. Yeah. So and it will consist of these bronze things and then some miniature pieces that will be built in various places around the school and mm. then uh, three large wall paintings that's a good commission so yeah have you done commissions before nope this is the first one how's it working out so far are they good to work with mm, i haven't heard from them for a while <laughs> that's great yeah maybe it is i don't know i know maybe i should worry maybe i shouldn't <laughs> we shall see yeah but i mean do you have any sort of um i Idea about where to go next? Are you the kind of person who has ideas stacked up and ready to go, or Both, are you just yeah, going to no. stand there in, in, no, in an I'd, empty studio you don't have? 
and be like, here we go, something. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I feel like that right now, but I probably have something. I just feel totally empty in my head right now. You just gave birth to a huge yeah. show. Yeah, so... Did you wander around the house for a little while? Like, yeah. What? what am I going <laughs> to do now? Right, you made the whole show in three months, too, I heard. Yeah. Which is a shit ton of work, I yeah. imagine. What, 10-hour days, every day kind of deal? Very. I have been able to sit a bit on a wine bar and enjoy myself <laughs> as Good well. Good bohemian lifestyle. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I guess I, I do get up really early. I have been, at least, getting up at 6 and then, yeah, working for about... Between Six seven and o'clock. ten hours a day, and then you still have some evening. Mm. That's 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 something which comes up again and again and again. If you want to work as an artist, you have to work really hard. Yeah. That idea about um, the bohemian, yeah, is just you, you drink yourself yeah. retarded at night. You sleep till yeah. noon, get up and yeah. paint from two till eight. You know, it's like that. Just, just this is not going to bring you anywhere. Maybe it could back then in the heyday, but uh, not anymore. Well, then it doesn't account at all for networking, which no. is so goddamn important now too. You need to have a lot of hats. Yeah, uh, you need to be able to write about your work, explain about your work. Uh, yeah, walk walk the walk and talk the talk and do the, do the work itself, yeah. you know. And that seems like maybe that's what art school is for, actually, is getting you used to all different levels. Yeah. I guess my problem now is I'm, I'm sort of at a scale where, I, you know, I very much like to do everything myself. And I can't keep on doing that if I want to do as big installations as this or bigger uh, in any kind of material really. getting on toward um, assistant time <laughs> <laughs> yeah I need to find good assistants uh, yeah and it's always a balance between then what you what you you know give out and what you keep yourself um, and you know what you totally. make and what you can have other people make well I guess the danger is that you know because you work so much with your hands mm-hmm. and are so tactile and it's so personal on that level yeah. that it's if you ended difficult. up being in an office making sketches and saying mm-hmm. go make this that's not never going to happen it would be completely different yeah but work. that's never going to happen because that is my whole you know my whole drive is hands-on making right. uh, and that that's why i'm doing what i'm doing well then the model probably um, is you get assistance to write emails to yeah, do all that shit yeah. so you can actually yeah. work fundraising yeah um, if you got into photography you can make <laughs> <new copies. laughs> yeah. cool well um thank you thank you for coming on the show well thank you for inviting me much appreciated mm-hmm. All right, you see that wasn't worth sighing over. There's a new age of ceramics coming our way just around the corner, people. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Undergang Armchair. Intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by The Passion Hi-Fi. You can find links to their music and all other things Undergang-related, such as our apps, on our warm and welcoming website, undergang.net. This show is produced in part with the kind support of the Danish Arts Council. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to catch us next week with Ryan Gander. <laughs>